Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. Today is Thursday, February the 2nd, 2017. Uh, I'm Tad, and I'm the host of this call and also the uh, purveyor, if you will, of the website youhavetheright.com, which is where we are offering uh, tonight's services. Um, So tonight we have a pretty impressive lineup with uh, Thomas Hargraves, who is going to talk to us about uh, foreclosure fraud investigations and then we're going to go to John Gorla, who is going to talk about uh, his services, his ability to uh, create documents for people in foreclosure that are in court that need help. And uh, he will talk to you about how effective he's been uh, helping to keep people in their homes using uh, the uh, what we call the, uh, I guess, the fraud investigation from Tom. So... Um, so, Tom, let's go ahead and start off with you, and why don't you tell us a, w- a little bit about your background and everything, and we'll go from there. Okay. Um, let me start by saying that I, I spent about six years in the Marine Corps working for naval intelligence. I was a, a Morse code operator. I uh, copied Chinese and Russian Morse code and worked directly with a company that a lot of people are uh, hearing about over the last four or five years because of privacy issues. Uh, I worked with Naval Intelligence in, in the NSA uh, before the NSA was even a, a, a common, uh, you know, um, three-letter uh, designation of a, of a government entity. Um, I also uh, uh, was fortunate enough to, uh, to be uh, stationed in Okinawa, Japan, where I was able to tour uh, an SR-71 Blackbird. Uh, fastest jet known to man. It's a, basically a reconnaissance jet. It used to uh, do um, touchdowns and takeoffs uh, at Kadena Air Base in uh, Japan. After that, I went back into the uh, grocery industry for a few years prior to um, starting my own mortgage, I mean, not mortgage, my own uh, trucking company with my brother. And we uh, hauled uh, trade show stuff for about 10 years nationwide um, through all 48 states. Uh, and then I got a little bored with that and decided I wanted to do something else. And I went and uh, uh, studied to get an insurance license along with a securities license. And I did that for about uh, 10, 12 years, uh, then added mortgages to the mix. So we were doing life insurance, securities, and marketing mortgages uh, up until about 2007 when the market totally dropped out of the mortgage industry. Uh, companies went out of business, companies filed bankruptcy, and it was not something that was um, uh, by accident. All of that stuff that happened was by design from the the banking institutions. Uh, And after that, I decided to reinvent myself and started working on uh, marketing uh, mortgage modifications 
through uh, a couple of companies, um, and we were having some success at least in delaying the inevitable of the of the foreclosure. But we found that the only way to win these cases was through litigation, and the only way to win in litigation was to have good, sound evidence that the parties foreclosing, first of all, had no standing to foreclose, and to expose the the fraud that they were committing on a regular basis. Uh, So we started marketing securitization audits through uh, a company in Florida, and I quit working with them uh, about a year into it when I realized that the owner of the company was uh, a liar. And uh, uh, I, just, I, I, took, I, I was marketing about probably 60% of his business was coming from my referrals. Uh, and then I went to work for a, a, an audit firm called Paladin Securitization Auditors. And their senior auditor was a guy uh, named Patrick Williams who had 30 years uh, experience as a mortgage banker. He was not a mortgage broker. He was a banker. Uh, he was uh, a vice president of New Century, one of the largest mortgage companies in the world at that time. Uh, and then they they had some trouble. Uh, but he taught me an awful lot about securitization and how to, uh, how to determine if a loan has been securitized and a lot of the, the laws that are broken when securitization happened. And so... Uh, I worked with them for about three years, learned an awful lot, and then unfortunately the owner of that company committed suicide uh, in December of 2013 to where I was basically out of business. So I contacted uh, that auditor and a couple of the minor auditors that were working for that company, and they came to work directly for me. Uh, And then about a year ago, I made another change because what I was finding through trial and error and through... Uh, a lot of my clients we were referring to um, legal experts such as John and, and others uh, that were putting together the complaints, the wrongful foreclosure, quiet title, etc. The judges were just not accepting some of the, the securitization and robo-signing stuff that was being uncovered. Uh, so we decided to go in a lot deeper into a much, much more extensive uh, research. Uh, I started building relationships up with uh, uh, the notary divisions of several states where I would contact the Secretary of State and start asking for uh, information on notaries uh, because a lot of my competitors, they were uh, using the software to try and determine if a loan uh, was securitized and then they you know, um, put out some nice, neat little uh, report with all these charts. Well, those charts were not admissible in court, uh, and in many cases, they were not even accurate. Um, so we were wanting to make sure that the stuff that we presented for our clients is, was going to be admissible in court. So we started to do uh, about probably five times more work and research than most securitization audit companies out there. In fact, we even changed the name of what we do to a foreclosure fraud investigation because it's much, much more than just determining chain of title issues and uh, uh, and securitization or lack thereof. Uh, We do signature comparisons. Um, What we found, uh, what I I found uh, after talking to uh, several notary divisions uh, of different states was that when you get a commission as a notary, you're supposed to notarize a document using the same signature that you use when you uh, uh, sign your oath of office. 
because when you get a, a notary commission, you sign an application, you sign an oath of office, and then you sign a, sh a surety bond. Um, and generally, most states go by the signature that's on the oath of office. Um, and then when we started ordering this stuff, we would get them back and then compare them to the notary signatures on uh, assignments of deeds of trust, substitutions of, tr of trustee, etc., and they weren't even close. Um, robo-signing uh, is a term that was coined by, by uh, mortgage people several years ago, um, but more, uh, the way that it's defined, it's, it's not illegal, and people don't understand that, and neither do 90% uh, of these uh, people that are out there marketing uh, audits. Uh, they will... Uh, look at uh, a website that has a list of so-called robo-signers and then say, oh, well, this document is, is uh, uh, not valid because it was signed by a robo-signer. Well, that doesn't mean anything uh, because, you know, if, if uh, uh, MERS, if they want to, they can sign an agreement with Bank of America, Chase, whatever other bank they want, and get, give Bank of America's employees authorization to sign on MERS, uh, for MERS, MERS benefit. But what you can't do is you can't be someone signing for some other uh, notary. And probably 60 to 70% of the documents that I review have major signature issues. And it's not just robo-signing, it's forgery and absolute fraud where someone is, is doing a copy and paste of a notary stamp and then signing that alleged notary's signature. And in many cases, they're not even a signature. Uh, for uh, an instance of one that I, when I first started learning all this stuff, there's a, there was a notary in uh, Louisiana that I got a copy of their, her application and her oath of office and her bond. And her uh, name was, I think it was Yasana, uh, Wilson, middle initial K, but she signed Yusana, Wilson, Yusana K. Wilson on her application and her bond, but on her oath of office, she signed Y.K. Wilson, which was the signature she was to use on all notary, notary, notarizing all documents. And the documents that I would start reviewing would have her name typewritten underneath the document, whether it's an assignment or some other document, it would say Y.K. Wilson. Well, the thing is, the signature did not say Y.K. Wilson. It was just scribble. Uh, many times it looked more like a tic-tac-toe board than a signature. That's illegal. She, uh, she signed her oath of office as Y.K. Wilson, and you could easily uh, distinguish the name Wilson in her signature. You didn't have to see um, the name typewritten underneath it to determine that her last name was Wilson. Well, on all, all the documents, probably 90% of the documents that I would review, it was just a just chicken scratch. It was no signature at all. And then when we started requesting the, the notary journal pages for those days from the real Y.K. Wilson, she had none that, can, that, that would, uh, uh, for those dates, meaning she did not notarize those documents. And that was just the start of, of over the past year and a half where we are finding more and more and more that an actual notary is not signing these documents. They're being forged and fabricated by document prep mills, and that's out-and-out -out forgery.
Um, the other thing that we've started uh, realizing and understanding that we didn't uh, six, seven years ago when we started was that most of these, these parties that are foreclosing are actually debt collectors. And there are a couple of ways to determine whether or not a servicer is a debt collector based on law. Uh, a, a, there was a Supreme Court decision that stated that a mortgage servicer was identified as a, as a debt collector, not a, not a servicer, if one of two things happened, or both of those things happened. First, the servicing uh, took over a loan that was already in default. So if you all of a sudden had a change of your servicer and you hadn't made a payment in two years, well, that identifies them as a, as a debt collector. The other thing is whether or not they're identify, identifying themselves as a debt collector in their communication. And if any of you have received uh, you know, situations where you've got a new servicer, look at the communication letters, and I'll bet you dollars to donuts that somewhere in the document uh, there is a, a disclaimer that says, we're a debt collector, we're attempting to collect a debt, any and all information you know, obtained will be used for that purpose. So in their, in their uh, communication to you, they are identifying themselves as a debt collector. Uh, the other thing I hear all the time is clients of mine calling that new debt collector or new servicer and calling after hours and they get a voicemail that says, we are a debt collector. Um, so they're identifying themselves as a debt collector, but then when you call and, and talk to them about it, oh, no, 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 we're just the servicer. Uh, we're just servicing the loan. An absolute lie. So uh, the, the, the homeowners that are facing foreclosure have a, a very strong federal law that benefits them called the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act and another one called the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. Uh, that is an act that protects consumers from unwanted phone calls, to, primarily to cell phones. It's a, uh, a $1,000 to $1,500 fine every time a debt collector calls a cell phone to attempt to collect a debt. Uh, and that can be used as a defense, a big defense, especially if that servicer has called you uh, over the previous three or four months uh, 30, 40 times. Well, you times 30, 30 times 1,500, that gets pretty big. And uh, a lawsuit can be put together, uh, you know, uh, for FDCPA violations and TCPA violations, in addition to the wrongful foreclosure that could get these people, uh, you know, thinking twice about foreclosing because of having um, a lot of additional defenses uh, that are available to the homeowners that most attorneys don't even do because, most attorneys, they're not uh, they're, uh, working on foreclosure. They're not really experts on FDCPA issues, uh, so they don't even use it as a defense. I was just looking at a complaint today that a client uh, sent me, and nowhere in the complaint does it say anything about FDCPA violations, but I know looking at the complaint that the servicer that is involved is, de is definitely a debt collector. Um, they have the usual uh, quiet title, wrongful foreclosure, uh, and some other stuff, but they're really missing out on additional uh, defenses that are available to them. Um, but what we do is we do a very extensive uh, research. We probably spend 20 to 30 man hours on each report. 
where we compile a report that can be anywhere from five, six hundred pages to uh, over two thousand pages when we include all of the exhibits and uh, opinions from other court cases that are similar to our clients. Uh, we have uh, I, I, per, I put together an affidavit or a declaration along with all of the exhibits that we uncover, um, and that affidavit or exhibit could be anywhere from fifteen to twenty pages. Uh, and then we try and whittle it down so that um, uh, we don't um, run the risk of a judge going, oh, it's too long, we're not going to accept this. Um, and the other thing we do is uh, a series of letters to get the foreclosing parties to give information that they don't want to give. Uh, and another, another defense is getting a hold of all of the servicers that have been involved in the loan since inception. Uh, for example, uh, I had one client that had four servicers from uh, start until the time he hired me, and I had him send a letter to the previous servicers just asking for a signed copy of the note because we wanted to see how they changed from servicer to servicer. Well, what we got was four different copies of the note with distinct variations. Now, what that does, it, it causes controversy. Uh, to, to where you can present these issues to a judge and, hey, Your Honor, you know, I want to pay somebody, but I don't know who to pay because I've got four different entities claiming ownership of this, um, uh, of this loan. Um, uh, in fact, one of the notes in that particular case, I was able to determine it was a copy and paste where they copied one note from a PDF file, transferred it to a Word document. And because the the legibility of the um, PDF was not great. It transferred to the Word document with blemishes. So you could tell. And, and then there were other words missing between the two copies, and it was a joke. Uh, recently I got uh, two notes from two different servicers. The very first servicer, I believe, was Bank of America, and the, the, the copy of the note they sent my client had two endorsements on the signature page of the note. Well, uh, the new servicer, I believe, was NationStar. They sent him a signed copy of the note with no endorsement. So how do you go from a note with two endorsements to a note with no endorsements? You can do the opposite, have a, a servicer send you a note with no endorsements, and then all of a sudden have one with an endorsement or two or whatever, but not vice versa. I've even uh, investigated documents where the signing date um, appeared after the recording date. Uh, but the, the amount of fraud that these guys do is incredible. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy, the, some of the stuff that we uncover. Um, but it's, it's forgery and it's fraud, and we try and expose that. And then once we've completed our report and our investigation, then we send uh, our client to, to a, a legal expert to put together the lawsuit uh, to, to you know, um, write up the pleadings, determine what kind of causes of action are, um, you know, that, that come out based on our findings, which is pretty extensive. Um, but, you know, that's, that's what we do and what we provide. Um, and then we pass it on to someone like John Gorla, who understands the law and understands the violations that these these uh, companies are doing, and it's not just little minor violations. These, this stuff is out and out fraud, where 
the party foreclosing on these people, they have no standing whatsoever. They paid no money for this loan. What they did was they they may have paid pennies on the dollar for the homeowner's information. That's it. Uh, because in many cases, these loans have already been paid through different insurance policies that, are, that the banks carry, not to mention the profit they made when they securitized those loans. So, you know, but basically that's, that's what we do in a nutshell and uh, how we're a lot different from uh, the other companies out there that are doing uh, just securitization audits. Ours are much, much, much more than just determining whether or not there's um, – uh, securitization or lack thereof. We're looking for securitization. We're looking for fraud. We're looking for forgery. Uh, we're looking for uh, people signing uh, as, a, as an attorney. In fact, when uh, we research the company they're signing for, we find out that that company's been out of business for three years. You cannot be a nominee or attorney in fact for a company that's no longer in business, yet these people sign that way on these documents all day long. Um, I, I'd probably say that 90% of the documents that we review have major fraud issues in them, uh, you know, and, and we try and present them in a way that can be presented into a courtroom to get the judges to see that, you know, this is not common and, uh, uh, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't give somebody a, a free house just because they're a debt collector. And most everybody in foreclosure is not dealing with the same party was on their loan documents to begin with. It's generally a, a servicer or Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or some, some trust that uh, is not even uh, in business anymore, uh, or some trust that closed their trust 10 years prior to the alleged assignment, which is also illegal and violates uh, most pooling and servicing agreements. But if you don't know what to look for, kind of like the old adage, if you don't know what your rights are, you have none. So if you don't know what to look for, you really have no defenses. And most attorneys that are hired to do this, they don't know or understand the level of fraud that the uh, the banks and servicers are taking against these homeowners. They just think that somebody uh, is a bum and won't make their payments and is trying to get a free house. So anyway, that's, that's all I've got, um, Tad. All right. Well, that sounds pretty comprehensive. Sounds like you do... Uh... A lot better work than the other guys. I've seen some of the other people in, in uh, uh, their audits. They're, they just dwarf um, the reports that we put together. So you dwarf their reports? Oh yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> it, you know, most of these most of these people, like uh, CFLA and and others, it's all done by software. They just punch in information concerning the borrower. It's a software template. Uh, and they're anywhere from 30 to 50 pages. In fact, many of these co- these companies do not even sign the, the the party that does the the audit does not even sign the audit. Um, so how do you know the qualifications of the person that that spit it out? I sign every single audit. I sign every single affidavit. Uh, you know, so n- people know, include you know, a judge or the other side knows who did that. Uh, who performed the investigation, who, you know, wrote the affidavit. Um, but I just delivered one to a guy down in uh, Southern California. The report, including all of my findings, all of my research, all of my exhibits, was about 2,200 pages. And then the uh, um, affidavit that I put together 
was another 15 pages, and then the uh, the uh, exhibits that I included with that affidavit were another 175 pages, uh, where I showed the, the signature variations among the uh, the recorded documents. I, I showed some some variations between two different copies of a note. Uh, you know, so it's pretty extensive compared to 99% of my competitors. Okay. All right. And so with that, uh, once you get your audit done, then we uh, bring it over to John Gorla. So, John, are you still with us? Thank you. Thank All you, right. Ted. Appreciate it. Uh, ben, i tell you what, I, I love to listen to Thomas. He's, he's just uh, so eager to help people win these things. And and so thorough, and yet at the same time, I got to thank you, Thomas, for the uh, succinct reviews and and uh, uh, how you make it easy to do things for the people that come to to us to help them stand. Well, the thing is, these, these people are dealing courts. with criminals, and I hate these criminals. <laughs> that, that's, well, that's I think, it in a nutshell. I think we're of like minds, and I appreciate that. Let me give you a little background on me for those who are new to this call. Uh, I, I was. Uh, a junior at St. Louis University studying for my bachelor's in, in uh, couple, three, three different disciplines. But uh, I was planning on going into a business, and uh, I, I was offered an opportunity uh, at, at that age to spend my summer helping people learning the financial, uh, financial planning business and uh, help them uh, make for a more comfortable retirement by Doing the things that financial planners do. Now, I, uh, my that career as uh, a financial planner lasted until my first retirement in 1991. That was from 1968 until 1991, which is about 23 years. And uh, on my retirement, I began uh, consulting for uh, individuals as well as mid-market businesses. That's business of up to 500 million dollars or more. And uh, uh, what I started finding out because I got inquisitive was that the Federal Reserve Bank system is not really what it purports to be. In fact, it's none of the above. It's neither federal, it has no reserve, it's not a system, it's not a bank. So uh, that was the initiation of my uh, quest to find out what's really going on in this system. And so since 1991 uh, until until 2009, uh, I was working pretty much on my own, but learning a whole lot because of research. And then I met uh, the gentleman who was to become my mentor for the last seven years, a name of uh, Bob Schaefer. Now, Bob had been studying law ever since he ran into a situation that was complete fraud again. And uh, he lost, and his, and his father, who were partners in a hotel in the town where they live in San Bernardino, California, uh, had their, their hotel torn down and stolen from them one weekend when they were in the middle of reconstructing and rejuvenating this hotel because it had been leveled by the city for a parking lot for the downtown area. Well, he said, that's it. Selling my business. He got rid of 15 uh, uh, people working for him, sold his trucks, um, sold all his equipment, and he started collecting law books. So I looked at Bob not only as my friend but as my mentor, and uh, we worked together up until the time he he passed away, and uh, he's taught me so much. And his calls you, you can still hear on youhavetheright.com, 
if you want to find out how much knowledge Bob really had. And uh, we, we had a unique situation because nothing is static in the law. Uh, and, and what I should do before I get into what we do is have the disclaimer. We are not attorneys. We do not give legal advice. We provide legal research documents at your specific direction. So when we put things in, onto paper based on our research of the statutes, laws, codes, regulations, manuals, and rules, those are just research based on what you're telling us to do. So uh, it's been my experience that what we do is constantly being improved because people from different parts of the country, I deal with people in Maryland and, and New Jersey and Florida and, and Alabama and uh, Georgia and, and Michigan and Wisconsin and, and Oregon and Washington and California and Arizona and Nevada. So, you know, uh, everybody has different law in their states. The key is that all the laws in the states are subject to the respect of the other several states because the Constitution for the United States of America, circa 1791, with its Bill of Rights, circa 17, I'm sorry, circa 1787, with its Bill of Rights, circa 1791, require the states to respect those other laws. And so that's called the full faith and credit clause of the, of the Constitution. So we can use all those things. And we constantly have people updating us. Hey, John, did you hear about this one in Florida? Or here's one from Wisconsin. And, and uh, people who are on the internet uh, do research that we get, and, and that's regularly put out there by, by various students of the law. So our documents, like Tom's, have constantly been improving. And uh, getting those kinds of results from Tom Hargreaves uh, just enable us to hit the nail on the head instead of beating around the bush like a lot of these other people do. One of the first experiences I had with Bob Schaefer was uh, he, he developed, uh, it found out about a, a case in uh, uh, the eastern area of the United States District Court here in uh, Southern California, out in Pomona, California. And it was by an attorney. I won't name his name, but uh, he was doing quite well. And he, he won this case in the district court and went out there and uh, was kind of tooting his own horn. Well, the, the next thing we heard about him was uh, he went through the lower courts. He started getting busier. And so we don't do what attorneys do. What he does, or what most of them do, is they'll take a $5,000 retainer up front, charge you three to $500 per hour when you get on the phone with them, when you write a, a, a letter for you, when they write a letter, when they uh, go to court for you. And so in defending one of these main things that we work with, uh, such as foreclosures, as well as the other things we do, uh, you can spend literally uh, dozens, if not hundreds of hours. I've got people I've been working with for several years. They're still in their houses. Uh, we, you can't win them all in the lower courts. And even though he did, as he got busier, he would take people to the lower court. And if it got dismissed the first time, which most of them do, quite frankly, he would quit because he was, he was money ahead. He didn't have to spend any more time doing an appeal. Well, with the people we, we help, and you know, a lot of people say, John, how can you have been around that long? You sound like you're pretty young. Well, I guess I am. I'm, I'm very fortunate. I, I'll be, I'm in my 72nd year right now, 
And I'm retired completely. And I got into this because I found out about the fraud, starting with the Federal Reserve Bank. And I just said to my wife, I said, you know, I can't sit around and do nothing when these people are getting defrauded by the courts, by the attorneys, and by the judges. And so uh, Bob and I set out to help as many people as we could. And uh, it, it's it's been very rewarding, even though I'm supposed to be retired for my second time, and that's not happening. But uh, so here's here's what we do. We start off with people who are referred by people like Tom, uh, Tad, and, and other people that I know, and uh, we collect what's called a data sheet. Where are you in this matter that you're in, be it foreclosures, IRS, state taxes, uh, alternative things that you'll be hearing about from Tad in the future. Uh, and uh, we gather the basics. I need to know what situation you're in before I can make any estimate as to what type of documents I, and research I have to put in there. Then we review that data, get back to you for any questions, or data that was left out or looks incorrect, and uh, we, we collect then and request the pertinent documents, such as if you're already in court, which we really don't like to do. We want to get to people before they have a notice of sale because most people in foreclosure may have been not paying payments for a few months, even sometimes a few years. And that's when we need to get to them because we want to be the plaintiff or the claimant in any action at law that we do because that's the position of strength. So if we get you at that point, fine. We've got a lot, lot of time. We've got to do as much research as we can to get the latest data. If we get you two days before the sale, the best thing that I would do if I were in that situation, because remember, we don't give legal advice. So, you know, talk to your lawyer about this. But I would go down uh, online to the United States Bankruptcy Court if your sale's coming up at least two days before that sale. And buy yourself some time and for the petition in the United States Bankruptcy Court. And if you have specific questions about that, you'd be ha I'll be happy to talk with you personally uh, because we just don't have that much time to talk to everybody and um, tell you the best way to do it. We'll review that for you. And then after collecting those documents, we will look to what we can put into there based on all the decisions and laws and findings of people like Tom who, who uh, help us become very specific. Our uh, method of working is to not turn in those 2,000 pages, but to turn in 16 to 25 pages because then the judges might even look at them. Many times you go to court, what's this all about? They ask you to say what's in the papers that haven't even looked at them. I have to admit, some of these guys are very busy because there are a lot of criminal problems in the courts these days, which is good to our advantage. It gives us more time to do things that we need to do. And at that point, then, we will send a draft of the first complaint or document in answer to whatever your situation is, if it's already in the courts. Uh, have you review it, correct it, send it back to us for any errors that may have been not applicable to these people? Because it, whatever's in your data sheet is going to go into your document. If it's wrong, you're going to have to deal with it. So we ask you to double check everything we do. And uh, you know, we, we do this, as I said, uh, because we can and because if you don't stand up for your rights, you're going to lose them, as Tom indicated earlier. You have to know what you're doing. And uh, if you do, 
we can win and we can do it timely and we can keep you from having the problem of having to go on uh, with your children who are going to lose their their school friends, uh, have to move to a different part of the city, not know anybody. Uh, You've got to start over. And you know what? It's a whole lot cheaper to do this than it is to go out and rent a two- or three-bedroom apartment with a family than it is to stand up and defend your rights in the courts. So we try to put that in perspective. As a financial planner, i got to say, look, yeah, you can fight this or you can let it go. If you let it go, in the area where I live, I've been here a long time. My monthly obligation is so small, people don't believe it. I know just here, you can spend $1,700 to $2,500 for a two- or three-bedroom apartment, not a house. And uh, that's not a big thing to enjoy when you've been living in your own place and people are trying to steal it from you. So, okay, that's pretty much what we do, except for the fact that we don't do like attorneys again. We don't stop after the inferior courts. We go to the court of appeal. And we ask a donation that goes to a humanitarian foundation to help people who are needy of $3,500 to get people started. And uh, since we've been starting this, you're going to find out later, we'll talk about that uh, that's a whole lot less than we had been charging because we're trying to get as many people assisted as we can. So uh, what are you supposed to do? Well, the first thing is after you you get that thing started with a, a donation, then you have to get everything to us that you have that we request in a timely fashion. There's a couple things you have to know about the law. The first is if it's not in writing, it didn't happen. In other words, the judge will look down and you say, objection, Your Honor, hey, this is what happened. And he, he says, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. It's not that he's hard of hearing. It's he says, it's not in writing. It didn't happen in court. And then what you also have to do is make sure when you get those documents from the opposition, from the court, that you get them to us the same day or at least if it's late at night when you get home, the next morning, by scanning them into a PDF. See, we don't have time for the mail. Sometimes it, people tell me, just tell me about a case he had where it took 10 days for someone to get uh, a document from the court. I've had people who don't get served anything from the court. And so they get dismissed and we have to go back and try to resurrect that whole case. Uh, so uh, anything you can do to get that to us the same day saves us a lot of time. And I don't like doing things 11th hour because you miss things that way. And we want to do them well so that it doesn't take multiple times to try to defend it. Uh, then, if you want to stay in your house, you've got to manage this case as if you mean it. If you, and I've had people do this. I can't tell you how many times it's heartbreaking. They they get to us. It's last minute. We try to save this for them. Get they get into a bankruptcy to give us 30 days stay so that we can then have some time to work on the documents. Well, it takes them two weeks to get the data sheet back to us. I don't know what they do, but it's not concentrating on saving their house. And then uh, by doing this properly, you can tell us, uh, here is the motion I got. I looked it up in the rules of court for the local court, and I see that to answer a demurrer, it takes you have 14 days, or in some places, five days, whatever it is. All these places are different. They can have different rules. 
So you need to know that. You need to manage this, and you need to say every two days, how are we coming on that that's due for this coming Friday or for the 15th of the month or for the 24th of next month because some of these take a long time to put together. And then uh, the next thing is that uh, if you manage that timeline properly, we can then uh, get to the court with the proper research, not just something that we threw together quickly. So if these are willing to stand up and defend your rights, then we're willing to help you, and we want to do a proper job for you. So I think if you remember that uh, if you don't do it, not only are you not going to save your home, you're going to have more monthly expenses. This results in a lot of broken families and divorces and sometimes worse things than that. So we want to help people stay where they are, keep the status quo, and expose the fraud and, and shut these people down. You know, I just saw an email that uh, J.P. Morgan was uh, charged another $10-plus billion fine. That now in the last about five years, as I can recall, I think the total is now over $70 billion Does these fraudulent banks have paid in fines in, dis, in consent decrees. That means I'm going to give you the money to the courts and to the, to the feds because I don't want to admit to guilt. You just let me continue to operate like this. And what a lot of people have, I, in fact, I've never heard anybody that knew this. Uh, we'll do a little quick quiz. How many people know who patented the securitization process? And I'm talking about the United States Patent Office. Turns out it was J.P. Morgan, and that's fraud. So, you know, you, you really got to understand that there's a lot of things out there that just aren't right. That's why at my age I'm putting in 70 to 8 hours a week still. So uh, that's what we try to do is help people. If you want more information, we'd be happy to take some questions. Ted, I, I, I think that's about all I wanted all right. to add tonight. All right. Well done. So if anybody has any questions for Tom or for John, hit star 8 on your phone and we'll call on you. And uh, we'll unmute you and you can speak. So, um, oh, well, also, uh, John, let's uh, real quick. Um, we have one other thing, too. Uh, people, people that are in foreclosure, they have uh, other problems, too, like credit cards. They usually end up with judgments in court, and they just don't know what to do because now they got these judgments and they don't know how to handle it. This might be a good mm-hmm. time to talk about uh, how we eliminate judgments with the offer to pay. Sure. Uh, we've had a lot of experience in that, and, in fact, uh, it, it, I can tell you I didn't do these personally. My mentor, Bob Schaefer, did, but he had – um, you know, people always say, do these work? Well, the answer is, yes. It's just like, you know, no attorney that I know of will guarantee you a win in court. That's because they don't know what the judge is going to do. They don't know if the judge is, is a man of integrity or not. But using these offers to pay what is due with the law, not the statutes and codes, but the law, we can defeat a lot of these things that are out there. And uh, it it is a fact that uh, when we got some questions from some people, Bob said, yeah, there's, I can give you some IRS examples, and that's probably the most difficult one to uh, defeat because you know how they act. Uh, so there was a, a gentleman who 
at over $50,000. It's something like fifty-seven dollars or $8,000. And he used this offer to pay what is due prior to getting uh, a judgment. And uh, it, they, they went away. Uh, they just didn't respond. They defaulted, and therefore the debt was discharged. Because, you know, we don't have money. Uh, we, we can't pay anything because there's no silver and gold available to corner banks. So the only thing we can do is discharge debt. A lot of people, a lot of debt collectors like Tom was talking about, uh, fight these tooth and nail, but they can be defeated. Another one was another IRS debt uh, that was over $150,000 defeated by this. And and a third one was a man who had a a business that was being chased by the uh, IRS. And this one was defeated in the amount of $1.5 million. So, yeah, they can work. Now, sometimes we had some like uh, sometimes when the, the federal government has a a student loan. They've worked on a few of them, and a few of them they haven't worked on. Uh, a lot of credit cards and things like that will be defeated. But as Tad says, many times it has to go to a judgment before we can uh, get it to be recognized. What we try to do is set up the people we're opposing on your behalf with the, the statutes, codes, and laws that will set them up for defeat. So if we give them, for instance, in non-judicial states, California, you do not have to tender an offer to pay uh, in a foreclosure case. But we do it. And if we get it in time, we do it twice. And this does nothing but put us in a good faith light with the courts. It helps everything you do to set up these people for failure. And then with Tom's assistance, all the things he has on the fraud from the notaries on down or on up because of a notary is an officer of the court, and if, if they're in fraud, that's, that's a big-time problem for them. So uh, th- these, these things all add up to uh, ways you can document that this is a, a real position standing on the law, and you have ground on which you can uh, claim a uh, uh, um, let's see, let's see, it's uh, federal rules of civil procedure. Yeah, no, it's federal rules of civil procedure. Uh, 12b6. It's a claim upon which relief can be granted, and and that's what they need to see. And that's most of the times when there's a mo- motion to dismiss, they just say, well, they didn't have any enough facts. They didn't have any claim upon which relief can be granted, and move for dismissal. So we have to answer that, and and we do with uh, showing them where the facts were that we put in there, and then they have to start all over again. So it's a it's a process, and all these things can be dealt with, but again, it has to be timely. So we need to get things in order as quickly as we can from either the opposition or the court. So what we try and do, uh, both me and John, is bring our clients to a knife fight carrying a bazooka. <laughs> and if you if you you know get everything together, I mean these these guys are foreclosing; they really have no evidence in their favor. And when they submit an affidavit, usually the one submitting it is lying through their teeth, but they submit it anyway thinking, oh, well, these guys are too dumb to challenge the affidavit. And, uh, you know, uh, and in the case of, like, uh, credit card debt, um, 93% of the um, debt collectors who file a lawsuit for uh, credit card debt, they win because of one thing and one thing only. The other side failed to show up in court. So they won by default in 93% of the, uh, of, the, of the time because 
the people don't know that they have the right to challenge the debt and that they have options. They, you know, they just don't show up in court because they're afraid or they're embarrassed because of the debt, uh, et cetera. But the thing is, if you set these guys up to fail by doing things that they don't even know are happening to them, uh, I mean, I've had I've had uh, servicers deliver uh, evidence that helps my client, and they had no idea that they that they helped my client with that evidence. Uh, I mean, it's funny, but the thing is, if if you do nothing and put your head in the sand like an ostrich eventually your house is going to be gone and you're going to be looking for a new place to live and you're going to be having to come up with the money to make those payments into an apartment or whatever that, and um, you know, because of a lot of things that are going on, uh, we're not having rent controls anymore. And if anybody's noticed uh, apartment rents nationwide has consistently gone up. So, uh, but anyway, that's all I had to add. Okay. Let me add one thing, Ted, if I may. Okay. Um, you know, just getting the documents together it doesn't do anything because, as Tom mentioned, uh, most people are scared. You know, I was scared when I was going to court against the IRS. Uh, I lost that one battle, and a month later, on the war, because they didn't want that evidence that I had in my document to be publicly acknowledged. And so a lot of it, is, as Tom says, showing up for court. Now, one of the things we do is use our experience to teach you and to coach you through Tad's system that he set up, which is so good. That's why you need to be a member here, uh, is to learn what to do in court. Uh, I'll give you one example. There was a, a couple here in Orange County who were arrested on a felony charge of assaulting a police officer. Somebody who saw this going on was kind enough to take a video of the process and they went to court the first time, and they were taught to not consent to this felony charge. If you don't give the court jurisdiction, they can't convict you. They can't sentence you to jail. So both of them stuck to a, to a T. I didn't get to that one. I went to the second one because that first judge re- recused himself and gave it to another judge. At the second hearing, the uh, people organized 17 witnesses to go with a yellow or white pad and a big pen so that they could all see that we were all standing up when their case was called, sitting down in unison, and putting the notepad up with a pen to it to take notes. So all the court knew what was going on there. 17 people submitted affidavits after that court hearing for all the things the judge did wrong. The people, again, stood up to the law and said, I do not consent. Three more judges came up to take their case up. The fifth one finally gave up, and he said, this, these charges are dismissed. The, nice, the funny part about this is they would not even let that video that showed it was the officer who uh, uh, committed battery on the husband, not vice versa. So whenever an attorney tells me there's no fraud in the court, I was there. I saw all this happen. So if you don't stand up, you can't win. And I'd leave you with that thought. All right. Thank you, John. Um, we do have uh, one person with their hand raised. But, again, I just want to reiterate to folks, uh, the offer to pay, if you have credit card judgments especially or other money judgments, um, the offer to pay is very effective 
And uh, so when you get in touch with us, ask us about that. And a little bit about youhavetheright.com. I have several different services available. The primary one is the monthly membership where we have archives, hundreds of hours of archives of uh, conference calls uh, like this one, um, organized by subject and, and um, edited and organized by subject. So you don't have to listen to a whole hour to find what you need. And we're going to be adding more stuff to the member section to make it even bigger and better. Uh, the other services that we offer, uh, like uh, Foreclosure Defense with John Gorla, and we do have student loans with uh, Damien, and some other things. So uh, check out youhavetheright.com. Okay, so we're going to go to uh, New Jersey. The caller in New Jersey that has their hand raised, and when your phone unmutes, it's your turn. So go ahead. Yeah, this is Reginald. Um, I have a couple of I have a couple of questions with regards to the procedure of events during a foreclosure. Is there any way to protect yourself against being surprised by the sheriff at the door? Uh, yeah, that's a very good question, and I can tell you a couple of things. I'll give you one instance uh, that that happened. It doesn't happen every time, but I'll give you one instance that we use to defeat the sheriff at the door. Uh, first of all, the, the procedure is fairly well set. If you get, if you know, if you know you're going to foreclosure, and you're well aware that one of these days you're going to get that letter. This is a notice of intent to foreclose, or you're in default. Uh, then. You, you pretty well know that the day's coming if you don't get started and protect your rights and find out from people like Tom, who I, I, I'm really excited to work with, uh, what the situation is. You can't really do it uh, two days before the, the sale is on the courthouse steps. So if you can give us six months, you know you're in default. You've been in default for three years. I saw this guy was in default for seven years, but he didn't prepare ahead. So, you know, that's tough to do when you say, I'm going to sale on Tuesday, and this is a Thursday. Uh, so timing is everything is what I'll tell you. Now, you're supposed to be noticed by the court of everything that happens, and sometimes the court will intentionally not do that. So when I say you have to manage your case, you need to talk to that clerk pretty much uh, on a on – a, uh, bi-weekly or, 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 I'm sorry, semi-weekly or, or even sometimes every day when you're getting close to a date to see what's happened. Don't just wait for a letter to arrive. I once sent a letter from where I was working in this little part of Southern California to an addressee maybe 10 blocks away. It took five days to deliver that. So uh, first of all, I don't trust the mail. Secondly, sometimes these clerks just don't notify you because they're part of this fraud too. Some of them, I've been there so long, they know what's going on. They get little perks from the judge, that kind of thing. And uh, so you have to be on top of it all the time. It's your house. If you want to save it, you've got to manage it yourself and be aware of the dates and things like that. Now, th that said, if, if you've been busy, uh, family problems, health, something like that, it, it can slip up on you. So if we get a notice at least two days filed in the courts in a, as a petition for the United States Bankruptcy Court, that'll buy you 30-day stay. Sometimes they move to dismiss within a week. We have to counter that. 
So we can make a uh, a complaint for an adversary procedure for uh, the courthouse sale. Usually. Uh, within two weeks to three weeks because it depends on how long it takes to get our information on the audits and things like that, and then we can put it together. Now, you can amend an, a, an original complaint up until the time it's been answered by the opposition. Sometimes that takes them 30 days, and that's good for us. That's what we want. We want time. So if we see an error, we get more information from Tom, then we can uh, make a first amended complaint. And, and that'll give you more time because then they've got to answer the amended complaint. They're going to give you another maybe 10, 20, 30 days. We don't know. The more time we have, the better. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Um, All right. My, my other question is, in cases where the loan has been paid off through insurance, is it easy to find the proof? <coughs> Uh, yeah, we have ways we can do that. And if you if you want to, uh, you know, partake in this, we'd love to have you uh, sign up with Tad, and we'd be glad to coach you on an individual basis. And we have been able to do that. Okay. Okay. All right. So, if anybody, part, thank you for your questions. Yeah, thank you. So, if anybody else has any questions, hit star eight on your phone, and we'll call on you. Okay, Arizona, go ahead. Hello, this is John Buchanan. I'm uh, hey, John. a friend of Bob Schaefer's. Uh, Bob and I were, were like brothers. He used to stay with me at my offices here in Oracle, Arizona, and we used to do, uh, well, I'm a paralegal kind of lawyer, and Bob and I worked together on many cases, including suing judges, <laughs> uh, which is always real popular in the courts. Because they're perfect. But I had a couple of questions uh, to see if any of you have thought of these venues. Uh, and this is, some might think it's far-fetched, but it's not. The United States Incorporated is a corporation. It's Ill actually an illegal entity operating over our republic. B of A is operating underneath the United States, Inc., so, legally, the standing of B of A Bank should be illegal. Uh, what's your thoughts? Well, I, I'll uh, uh, just uh, confirm what you're saying. Uh, was it Bill? It's John. John, John, John thank you. Uh, John, the, uh, the fact is uh, Title 28, Section 3002 defines, quote, the United States, all caps, is... A corporation. If you want, there's evidence as to the fraud. Uh, so uh, what what we use, as Bob, I'm sure you know, taught me, uh, we we make we differentiate between the all caps driver's license name, the all caps birth certificate name, right. the all caps, etc., uh, by saying that uh, the uh, plaintiff so and so and so and so, the all the uh, natural man on the land on the underlying original uh, Arizona state, not the overlaid United States district, uh, a real man on the land, as I said. Uh, and, and we go through all that in order to protect our rights. Now, 
Uh, what was that statute again that you were you quoted me about the United well, States? Is- U- U.S. Code Title 20, 28, Section 3002. Title 28. United States is a, is a corporation. Three, Section 3002. Zero. Got it. You know what? Actually, John, I'll, I'll make this offer to you. If you'll get Tad your, um, uh, your uh, email, if he doesn't have it already, I will send you my list of citations that I use every day in my documents for people. Uh, I've got an Excel. Do you use Excel, by the way? I have Excel on the computer, but... Okay. My my spreadsheet uh, is continually growing, and if you want to throw me some, I'd be glad to add it and help other people. It has about yeah. 1,600 1, citations from the inferior courts, the uh, circuit courts, the courts of appeal, the United States Supreme Court, the IRS code, uh, uh, you know, it just keeps growing. So uh, over 1,600 of them, you can do a, a word search and get every iteration of uh, how income is defined by the Supreme Court. What is an employee uh, in the IRS? Uh, what, are the, what are the several states? What are the, uh, what is, who is in the United States? It'll shock you. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. And, 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 and for everybody who signs up with TAD service, I will give you those citations, which will help you learn so much about how we've been defrauded and, and cheated and our government's been taken away from us. George Bush was quoted at least twice that I know of. He was asked by uh, people in the audience where he was or just uh, you know, uh, happened to be near him when he was able to, to hear them. Uh, uh, President Bush, what do you th- what do you think about the Constitution? He said, "Which one? What does that mean?" <laughs> well, there's right. one uh, of 1787, and there's another one in 1870. What is it? Two? I can't recall. But the one in 1872 is what is when our our government was taken away from us. Our freedoms were taken away from us. And if you don't figure out how to re- reclaim them. Uh, you're just another slave to the corporate entities that, that are taking over our country through banking internationally. So well, education Bob, is the key. That's so, what Bob Schaefer and I were working on was our, was to try to help bring freedom back to America. And we have filed case after case. I've some uh, I filed a federal district court case, and it was over 70 pages uh, with exhibits. But, you know, they... Usually don't they don't they don't want to believe anything we say and they ignore they throw it away after we fought in that court for a year and finally they just dismissed it and wouldn't even let us talk anymore. Yeah, well, <laughs> so listen, hey, probably, we we got we got a bunch of people that have their hand raised right now that we have to get to. I got one other question. Uh, okay, make it quick. I'll, I'll make it brief. On banks, say you have a hundred fifty thousand dollar mortgage. They have earned, in my math, they have probably earned at least $1 million in trading this asset unknown to borrower uh, through derivatives and and trades and securizations and whatever they do. So then they still want, even though you've paid them $150,000, of course, they still want another $150,000 because that's their interest. John, I think that assessment is extremely low. Yeah, it's worth it. I have a friend. I have a friend who it, lives in uh, in L.A. His home was was uh, a mortgage of about six hundred thousand. It was it was uh, over that because he was in default and they were charging him penalties and interest. 
and he he found out that his uh, home was securitized and that it was in 17 or 19, I can't recall how many different categories, and they had made, on a $600,000 home, they'd made over $9 million. Now, wow. then they want to take it back, and they, the, you know, the, the interest, pay, the, the mortgage payments that you pay are not mortgage payments. <laughs> I, it, it's such a long story, I can't get into it now. But, so, but uh, and, if you'll get, Ted, okay. if you get Ted, Ted your uh, email, I'd like to talk to you, maybe we can... Uh, uh, you know, coordinate with what Bob and you were trying to do with what Bob and I were trying to do. Yeah, it, we could probably uh, confer quite a bit on this. I and I, right. I, I I would enjoy it. Okay, right, well, great. Do me a favor. We can do. We got to get on your other email. Calls. I still got your email and phone number. Let's see if we can hook up tomorrow. Okay, right, thank four. you. You bet. Thank, thank you, John. Okay, uh, Hawaii. When your phone unmutes, it's your turn. Hi. Um, I had one question, but first I'd like to thank uh, John and Sad yes. for helping me out. You helped me out a couple of months ago, but I didn't follow through um, with a foreclosure. And um, I'm still living in the house, but they did. They sold it, and I guess um, I don't know what, what what's next to come. Can but, you tell me, did um, the bank buy it back to it, uh, itself? Yeah, the bank bought it back to itself. Okay, I'm gonna. It, add, I'm, gonna I'm gonna do a little. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a little ad. I just talked to somebody else. You know, if you've been foreclosed on, can you do anything about it? And and, and you're out. There is a way. Uh, you're going to be receiving next year. Or, or when did your your bank foreclose? Mm-hmm. When did your bank foreclose and sale? Um, last year. Um, okay, you, any day now. Any, that's okay. Any day now, you should be getting a, a notice from the IRS uh, for a 1099 for uh, alleged uh, income that you made because of the forgiveness of debt when they foreclosed upon you. You should get in touch with Ted when that happens. We have a cure for some of that. Okay. I'm a, I'm a special, I, what I've done, I, I said in the beginning, I'm a financial planning consultant. And uh, you're going to be shocked. Ted, we need a call about this one day. Okay. And I'll be able to explain more to other people. It can't be real quick because I'm so busy right now. But uh, yeah. we'll get yeah, well, just Just note the, it. The bank, the, bank was, um, the bank went out of business. They got caught for some fraud. And then it was the servicer. But what it was really weird, it was, I think it was the servicer for, the, for Fannie Mae because I yeah. made some complaints to um, consumer protection, and okay. then they have they have to answer back. And then um, the last complaint I made, they wouldn't give me any information. And then when um, the last complaint I made, they said that they have nothing to do with it. The, well, you may um, be able to get that sale re- reversed. Yeah, yeah well, that's, what that's, that's what I'm thinking, Tom. Yeah, you know, if you can, if you can that, uncover enough fraud uh, that they committed during the process of all the, this stuff. Not only can you possibly get your home back, you may be able to sue them for treble damages, which is three times the amount of the mortgage. That's really yeah, the house, whichever is greater. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you, I can back that up because Bob Schaefer uh, once had a, a, a customer who had the, the house had been sold. Uh, it was uh, re, it was re-inhabited by somebody who bought it. A couple were living there with their family. And he went back in and reopened that case and got 
the house back to the person who was unlawfully foreclosed upon. So, but you really need to expose any fraud that occurred during the process. I mean, because just to, just to try and do it without exposing these criminals, it's going to be a tough road to hoe. That's right. That's exactly how we did it, Tom. And you, you play a, such an important role in this. You, you can't do it without that information. And I'd be happy yeah. to look at look at her documents to see if what kind of a case she has. Yeah. Yeah. The primarily, program. primarily the. Um, um, the mortgage, the, the signed note, and any assignments of mortgage. Those are the key documents that I would need to look at to determine what kind of a case you've got. Just get the deed yeah. also on those, Tom. I got what? a blank, I got a blank note. Yeah, I got a blank note, and then um, when they did the foreclosure, it, it was signed by somebody in their company from the servicer. So I, okay. You know, right, so, I'm just... So, does that answer your question? Um, no, my question was, okay. um, I have another foreclosure that's going on on one of my rental properties. Um, and I got a summons, but it has the stamp of the clerk. Um, and it's, um, what it is, is it doesn't have, hello? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Right here. It doesn't have um, the judge's signature. It just has yes. the. Um, yeah. Is that is it, that it, normal? It, yes, it is very customary for just the clerk to do it. But I would t- tell you to please uh, get in touch with Tad. Get on the system. We'll, we can coach you. I I, I use Skype, and so we can t- talk and share documents on Skype if you like. Uh, so okay. uh, get get in touch with Tad and get it set up. I know there's a lot of people still waiting for some questions. Okay. Um, just one more question. If they're claiming that they're debt collectors, like the lawyer, he sends the letter and he says he's a debt collector, um, can he represent himself too as a debt collector? Just oh, sure. That's, they, they are debt collectors. Many of them just, just declared, as Tom mentioned, right on their document. So please get a hold of Tad. And, get and, and they do, they do it thinking that you're not going to fight it or that you don't know anything about the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. That's how arrogant they are. Yeah, I'm pretty familiar with the Fair Debt Collection Act. <laughs> I make a lot of for your, to the consumer. Thank you for your report. questions. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank right. you. So, you guys, if you want to get a hold of me, um, I can set up a, um, a conference call with you between John and or Tom, if you're don't, if you not already in touch with Tom, um, to go over your situation. So you go to youhavetheright.com and find the contact link at the bottom and uh Contact me, and we can uh, set things up for you. Um, Ted, I this is, I, yeah, go I'm ahead. sorry. I, I have another commitment I have to get going. So I, I want to thank you for setting this call up. Tom Hargreaves, thank you so much for all your help. And uh, to, all you people, and to all you people who are out there trying to, to uh, defend your rights, uh, stand up, and, and uh, we'll help you. Thank you, and all of you have a great night. Thank you. Bye now. Okay, thank you, John. Uh, we'll go to California and see if uh, what kind of question you have. Your phone just unmuted, so uh, let me know what kind of question you have. Central Coastal California, your phone just unmuted. Hello. Uh, unmute your phone if you want to talk. Hit star eight. No, he already hit star eight, and I oh, unmuted okay. it. So I think his uh, mute is on. Uh, 
Oh, there we phone. go. Okay, there we go. Sorry. Yeah, so Don Stevens, uh, Santa Barbara, post-foreclosure, uh, bought the UD for five years, just recently got evicted. And I know I've got fraud all over the place on my situation. Tom's been looking at it. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm almost so- done with his report. Um, he's one I was wanting to talk to John about um, because John uh, told me that he may have a way to get Don back into his house, and that would okay. greatly help his position because basically he's uh, you know he's he's got a trucking company and he's been basically working it out of it out of his car. Uh, not yeah. only that, but he had a lot of his possessions stolen uh, in the eviction process, including right. what a thirty thousand dollar boat. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yep. I remember that. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, um what why don't we do this? If you're available tomorrow, I'll try and see if we can't set up a conference call mm-hmm. directly with John. I think that'll work. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that 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 would probably be productive. Um some people have told me to put a a lien on the land under the under the home and things like that. So, yeah, I had some detailed questions okay. about that. Okay. Uh, and it's my understanding that it it reverted back to the bank. A third party didn't yes. buy it, right? Okay. Yes, and it, it's still unoccupied and things like that. Okay. Yeah. What uh what part of the day is best for you? Uh for me probably somewhere somewhere in the middle of the day, middle middle to the latter part of the day. Okay. I'll I'll try and set All right. that up. All right, let's do that tomorrow then. Okay. I'll just right. I'll just follow your lead, Tom. I'm I'm pretty much flexible, but um yeah, so whatever whatever works. But yeah, yeah, I'd like to get into like I got some questions on that. And then I also had some other people that hopefully are listening in right now. Okay. That may have questions too. All right. Thank we'll talk to you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And we'll and we'll go to our final person in Hawaii that's got a question. So go ahead. Your phone unmuted. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, I really, uh, really appreciated uh, hearing from John. Um, I've been working with uh, Tom for some time now, and uh, the work that he's evolved into sounds even more incredible than uh, what he was doing before. Uh, but uh, I'd uh, definitely like a copy of uh, Tom. I'd, I'd definitely like a copy of uh, John's, um, uh, you know, spreadsheet that he was talking about with all of the uh, information on it. But uh, one of the things I just wanted to throw into the mix is that what I've discovered in the securitization process is that it is absolutely brilliant. Whoever uh, uh, did it is brilliant. And the uh, pooling and servicing agreements require that the uh, promissory notes uh, be stamped in blank, uh, paid to the order of, which, of course, makes it a bearer note. And I understand why that, that happened until I got into the uh, uh, what a remake is all about. A remake um, is, is a tax-deferred, uh, tax-free uh, uh, vehicle for the securitization, and neither the trust nor the trustee can own the assets or the promissory note. And the promissory note, as soon as it, it is put into the uh, remake trust, becomes a U.S. security, and it there is no longer a creditor. Correct. Not only that. But the thing is, you have to be able to use the right arguments in order to get judges to acknowledge it. I understand And that's that. what a lot of attorneys are not doing because they don't understand how a, uh, a REMIC works or how uh, securitization works. 
Right, and let me get yeah. into that. Uh, so the uh, uh, the uh, process, uh, the uh, the sale of the certificates for the trust is what is used to buy the uh, promissory note, and that pays the principal off. And so the the promissory note goes into the trust, and the principal balance is zero, and there's no owner and no creditor. Correct. It's yeah, all it's smoke totally and mirrors. Brilliant. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all brilliant. It's totally brilliant. And it's it's kind of like when I was talking about um, 93% of all uh, debt collection cases that are filed in court end up with a default judgment because the, the, the alleged debtor has no clue that the debt's already been paid, uh, that the debt collector did not buy the debt, that all they did was bought their personal information for pennies on the dollar. Right. And now and all they're doing is intimidation and lies and coercion in order to get them to pay a a party where there is no debt. Uh these debt collectors they buy they buy the the information on this debt for 2 and 3 cents on the dollar and anything over that amount is profit and even if they have some but the other 7% that um don't end up in default a lot of times the uh, alleged debtor wins because they ask, okay, well, where's your, where's your evidence? Where's the signed agreement that I have with you? And they can't produce one. Yeah. You know? Well, let me get back to the uh, Remick Trust. The other blatant uh, fraud that uh, I didn't uh, really uh, fully realize until uh, recently is that uh, when the promissory note is put into the trust, uh, years and years before the, any kind of um, uh, you know, foreclosure suit or anything else, uh, MERS and the bank, the original lender, uh, everybody has to assign all of their interest to the trust. And then years later, the uh, foreclosing bank uh, will... Uh-oh. We lost you. Oh, go ahead. I hit the wrong button. Please go no. ahead. Uh-oh. Hold on, hold on. Doug, you there? Okay, am I back? Yeah, Yeah. sorry about that. Go ahead. The foreclosing bank or entity, uh, a lot of times it's a trustee, um, will record an assignment of mortgage or an assignment of deed of trust that is two or three or five or six years later, and they'll have MERS assigning all of their interest to the uh, foreclosing entity, and MERS doesn't have any interest because they assigned it all uh, six years before. Yeah, and, and it's done with smoke and mirrors, and these people are so arrogant that, you know, most people, most attorneys that somebody hires, they don't know this stuff, so they don't use these defenses. Yeah, it's, 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 it's absolutely sickening, and it's, it's totally brilliant, you know, whoever right. came up with this. But it was all created on purpose so that these big banks could profit a huge, huge, huge uh, uh, returns without even loaning a dime. Absolutely. I mean, that's uh, the, the whole nature of the fiat currency monetary system. Correct. So, anyway. Well, right. I really appreciate everything that you all are doing. And yeah, you bet. As soon as, uh, uh, with, with every uh, available cent that I have, I'm going to be supporting or uh, getting some of your services. So, thank you well, very I much. Well, i tell you what. You wanted to get that uh, uh, references of cases yeah. That's, in, that's in our monthly membership, and it's under uh, Bob Schaefer's uh, section in the download documents. Bob Schaefer, okay. 
Okay, and it's so, hold on, and it's called, the name of the document is Court Citations by Subject. Court Citations. Right. And Tad's got an awful lot of stuff in his website, not just foreclosure. Like he, uh, he's got information on uh, uh, people that are successfully using uh uh, accepted for value to uh, eliminate debt. Well, it's that's, uh, it's informational. Uh, except right. The accepted for value, the success of it is actually pretty poor. But oh, okay. for those that, for those that want to use it, we do have all the information you need on it. So, well, Tad, I I get daily, almost daily, um, emails from um, uh, you know from your organization, but I haven't tried logging in. I uh, I think I signed up uh, years and years and years ago, but I I haven't gone to the archive. But I'll I'll try that. Okay. Well, there's a free preview on the front page. It'll show you most of what's in there. Great. It'll keep you busy. And we're going to be adding a lot of stuff through some of the stuff I'm doing. I'm going to be sharing with uh, Tad to put on his, that website as well. Appreciate it, Tom. Excellent. Okay. All right. Well, so thank you very much. And uh, with that, folks, I think we're going to go ahead and call it an evening. And, Tom, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. No problem. And uh, look forward to another one at a later date. Sounds good. All right. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.